the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. As part of God's love and mercy, He will never allow us to remain the way we are when we're on a reckless path. And when we're on a reckless path, God will intervene. And when God intervenes, when God has to intervene versus when we come to our senses and humble ourselves, when God has to intervene, it it usually is unpleasant at first. And this is what Hebrews tells us. The writer of Hebrews says, you know, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, only painful. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Isaiah. Have you ever thought that it's not very loving to be strict and discipline someone for their mistakes or disobedience? As much as we'd prefer not to admit it, we as believers sometimes feel as though God isn't being loving towards us when He disciplines us. However, as Pastor Gary will teach you in his message today, Scripture actually tells us that it's because God loves us that He disciplines us. In his study, you'll learn how God loves you so much that He won't let you stay on a path of sin and destruction for too long. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Isaiah, chapter 28. As he begins his message, Jesus, our cornerstone. Isaiah 28, we're going to look at just one verse, then we're going to kind of unpack this theme from the 28th chapter. But the verse I'd like to draw your attention to is verse 16. Isaiah chapter 28. And verse 16, a very important verse in your Bibles. We're going to talk about this. Isaiah writes this, So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. Well, as we've been saying so far in our study through the book of Isaiah, this is a divided time in the nation of Israel Following the reign of King Solomon of Israel, the nation went through a civil war and the nation split north and south. The northern kingdom retained the larger name Israel. The southern kingdom was named after one of the southern Jewish tribes, Judah. Isaiah is a prophet who was called roughly 740 BC by God to minister almost exclusively to the southern kingdom. He is called by God to prophesy and to preach to the southern kingdom of Judah, but chapter 28 is an exception. 
Here in chapter 28, the first part of this chapter, Isaiah is actually prophesying against uh, giving a word for the northern kingdom of Israel, which is also known in your Bibles and in this chapter as Ephraim. Israel to the north is also known as Ephraim by one of the larger tribes of Israel. And that's how Isaiah is going to refer to the northern kingdom here in the opening parts of chapter 28. So if you'll glance back with me at the first few verses of chapter 28, here's what he says against the northern kingdom. Verse 1, woe to that wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, to the fading flower, his glorious beauty set on the head of a fertile valley, to that city, the pride of those laid low by wine. See, the Lord has one who is powerful and strong, like a hailstorm and a destructive wind, like a driving rain and a flooding downpour. He will throw it forcefully to the ground. That wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, will be trampled underfoot. That fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, will be like a fig right before harvest. As soon as someone sees it and takes it in his hand, he swallows it. So let me just kind of clarify what Isaiah is saying here. Again, you know, the people of Israel, both north and south, are distant from God at this time in their history. Uh, They have rebelled against him. They They are worshiping idols. They are distant from God. And so God sends various prophets to wake them up. And one of these prophets at this particular time is Isaiah. And Isaiah has a prophecy about the northern kingdom. And he refers to this wreath, he talks here in the first few, few verses of chapter 28, this wreath, this flowering wreath, but he says it's fading. Now, the wreath that he's referring to, actually in verse 1, he talks about that city, that city. So the wreath that is fading is a city, and the city he's talking about is the capital city of the northern kingdom, which is Samaria. And he says about Samaria, you know, you're the beautiful pride of the fertile valley for now. Uh, but God is going to bring his heavy hand upon you because of your rebellion and your wickedness. And the heavy hand that God is going to bring against the northern kingdom is in the form of the Assyrian Empire, a very ruthless people who would take up uh, on a map today the, the territory of Iraq, mostly. And so he's saying, you know, there's going to be a forceful, strong, powerful thing that comes against you to the north. That's why he says in verse 2, like a hailstorm and like a destructive wind, like a driving rain and flooding downpour, which is not too unfamiliar to our day. Uh, and, and he says, this is going to come upon you forcefully, and, it, and it's going to, he, that is God, will throw it forcefully to the ground, uh, saying, Samaria, you're going to fall, the northern kingdom you're going to be judged by God because God's wrath is coming in the form of the Assyrian Empire. And he says in verse 3 that you're going to be trampled underfoot, trampled underfoot. Now, this, the Assyrians, we know by, from history, they're going to swoop down upon the northern kingdom, roughly 723 B.C., The Assyrians are going to swoop down on them, and Isaiah just uses like a metaphor here. He says, it's it's going to be like someone who takes a ripe fig in his hand and swallows it. That's how the Assyrian Empire is going to be. They're going to come on you, and they're going to... They're going to eat you like a fig newton. That's what he's basically saying to them. That they're, they're going to come down upon you. Now, as Isaiah is saying this to the northern kingdom, which is unusual because, again, his ministry normally targets the southern kingdom. Meanwhile, here's what's happening in the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom, the people of the south, they're chuckling that their brothers and sisters to the north are getting in trouble. They're chuckling that brothers and sisters to the north are getting spanked. 
Now, I, I don't know how it was in your household when you would discipline one child, but not necessarily another. But I can tell you in the Hamrick household, and I've got two sons sitting over here in the front row, when I would discipline one, the other kid would snicker in the corner. And then you'd have to turn to the kid who's snickering and say, you want, you want some of this too? You know, and, 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 so, and they'd be like, no, you know, and they, so then they stop snickering. But it's like when one kid gets in trouble and maybe gets spanked, the other kid's like, you know, like that. Okay, that's what's happening in the South. The Southern king and they're snickering. They're like, our brothers and sisters to the North are getting spanked by God. So Isaiah says, hey, you want some of that? You want some of that? Because it's coming your way too. Now look further here in chapter 28. And here's, and here, here's what he says here uh, in verse 14. He says, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is the capital of the southern kingdom. So now he's talking to the people of Judah, and they're scoffing. They're mocking. They're like, hey, that, no trouble's going to happen to us. They're getting spanked, but uh, not us. You know, nah, 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 you know, that kind of a thing. So Isaiah says, verse 15, he says, you boast. We have entered into a covenant with death, with the grave. We have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us. For we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. So Isaiah is coming back to them saying, you've made a lie your refuge and falsehood your hiding place. You you have a false sense of security, in other words. You think you're untouchable because they even say that. You're like, you boast when an overwhelming scourge sweeps, this is the end of verse 15, it cannot touch us. You know, and so they're, they're going around, they're singing like MC Hammer, you know, can't touch this, dun, 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 you know. If you don't know who MC Hammer is, you weren't in the 90s. But anyhow, that's kind of, they're going around like, we're untouchable. We're, we're fine. You know, God spank in the north, but we're fine here in the south. And Isaiah says, think again. Verse 18. He says, your covenant with death will be annulled. Okay, now it's a figure of speech. That, in other words, they've made a deal with death that they were untouchable and th- they're not going to be harmed Isaiah says, the, your covenant of death will be annulled. And he adds in, in verse 18, your agreement with the grave will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away morning after morning, by day and by night. It will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. So Isaiah says, in other words, to the south, your turn is coming. Don't be so full of yourselves as to think that God is unaware of your rebellion. Because the North and the South were equally guilty. It's just that God was taking turns, okay? And actually what we learned from the Bible and from history is that when the Assyrian Empire sweeps over uh, coming from the East, coming from Iraq area, and they sweep to the Northern Kingdom of Israel, they besiege the Northern Kingdom, they actually assimilate the Northern Kingdom into the Assyrian Empire. And history and the Bible tells us that then the Assyrians move from the northern kingdom of Israel down towards Egypt, and they're going to they're take Egypt. And they pass through the southern kingdom of Judah on the way, and on the way they inflict great damage, great harm. Now, they, they, the Assyrians don't end up taking the, the southern kingdom of Judah as part of their territory. That'll be the Babylonians later. 
Uh, So for now, God has spared them being swallowed up into the Assyrian Empire, but nevertheless, they're getting spanked on the way because the Assyrians, when they come through the southern southern kingdom of Judah, they, they are inflicting damage and terror among the people of Judah. So Isaiah is warning them, your turn is coming. You're, you're going to get some of this, a taste of it. You won't be completely swallowed up by the Assyrian empire, but you're going to certainly get a taste of it. Because listen, this is the way God deals with us. As part of God's love and mercy, he will never allow us to remain the way we are when we're on a reckless path. And when we're on a reckless path, God will intervene. And when God intervenes, when God has to intervene versus when we come to our senses and humble ourselves, when God has to intervene, it it usually is unpleasant at first. And this is what Hebrews tells us. The writer of Hebrews says, you know, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, only painful. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness, talking later, you know, you reap a harvest later for those who've been trained by it. So in other words, when we yield our lives to Christ and when we surrender to him and we respond to his discipline, which isn't pleasant at the time, when God gets our attention, then it does eventually produce this harvest of righteousness. But when we're living in rebellion to God, God loves us so much that he's not content to just let us stay on this wayward, reckless path until we reach our ultimate destruction and separation from him. So God will come along from time to time and he will spank us. He, he, will, he will allow things in our lives to get our attention. That's not an unloving father, that's a loving father. Okay? And the, Assy- the Assyrians are part of God's discipline to help wake up the people whom God loves. And they will. They will respond, but there's going to be a lot of heartache along the way. In the middle of all of this, in the early part of chapter 28, judgment coming to the north, judgment coming to the south. In the middle of all of this is inserted verse 16 that we open up our Bible study with. This wonderful promise of a messianic hope. Verse 16 again, so this is what the Sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, Zion is just another word for Jerusalem, for Israel, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation, the one who trusts will never be dismayed. This is a messianic promise in the middle of this judgment, and I love this about the way that God communicates to us through Scripture. As we've seen in previous times, as Isaiah writes and prophesies, that Isaiah interrupts the pronouncement of God's judgment to herald the good news of God's salvation. That in the middle of all of this judgment, 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 Isaiah says, but God's got a cornerstone, a tested stone, a sure foundation. And if you'll build your life on this stone, if you will come to this stone and find refuge, you're going to be fine. You're going to be saved. Now, how do we know that Isaiah 28, 16 is actually a messianic prophecy that was fulfilled in Christ? Uh, Well, the easiest way that we understand Scripture is by looking at Scripture as a commentary on Scripture. And the Apostle Peter, in his first epistle, in 1 Peter, in your New Testaments, quotes this verse, Isaiah 28, 16, and says specifically, this is a reference to Jesus. Now, you can turn there, but to save time, I'm just going to throw the verses up on the screen for you. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, and this is what Peter writes. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, 
rejected by men, but chosen by God, because Christ was rejected, forsaken, nailed to a cross, but he was chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he adds, for in Scripture it says, and he quotes Isaiah 28, 16. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So Peter tells us specifically that Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 28, 16 was a future reference 700 years before Christ about Christ. It's a messianic promise that the stone, the cornerstone is Jesus. And Peter actually personifies the stone gives life to the stone, gives meaning to the stone of Isaiah 28, 16, because let me just highlight in yellow for you the words in him, because this is what Peter adds. In the scripture, in Isaiah 28 in your Bibles, you'll notice that Isaiah just talks about a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts will never be, Isaiah says, dismayed. Peter expounds on it and says, never be put to shame. But Peter adds trust in him so that everybody understands that the reference of Isaiah 28, 16 is about a person, not just a stone like some inanimate object, but a real living being. This is a reference to the Messiah, to Jesus being the cornerstone, the tried and true and tested stone, the precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, this is important, folks, because our Bibles present Jesus as that cornerstone. He is the one upon whom the foundation is built. He's that cornerstone. A cornerstone is laid. All the rest of the building is squared off of that stone. So everything about our lives needs needs to square with Jesus. And Isaiah writes here prophetically about he's the sure foundation. Like you're going to need Jesus in your life. You're going to need the the Messiah because he's going to be the one who will save you, forgive you, love you. He's the one that dies for you. So all of this is pointing towards Jesus. Now, there are a few places in the Bible where the Messiah or the Lord himself is referred to kind of metaphorically as a rock or a stone. And the reason is because like a rock, the Lord is strong, sturdy, reliable, dependable. He is unbreakable. He's the bedrock of truth. He's the shelter that we can seek in the storm. This is why David, for example, will write in Psalm 62, verse 2, he alone, he alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Amen. So, when we talk about this, I want you to look in your Bibles there at Isaiah 28, 16, and you're going to note with me three things that, that he says about the Messiah as the stone, the cornerstone, and the sure foundation. Here's the first thing he says. He says, he is a tested stone. He's a tested stone. Jesus has been tried and tested and proved true. He is the real deal. He's been through the fire of betrayal, humiliation, abandonment. People have slandered him. People have falsely accused him. People denied even knowing him. And then people ultimately crucified him. So he's been tested for sure. But through it all, through all of that, betrayal and false accusations and crucifixion, Isaiah will say later in his letter, like a lamb led to a slaughter, he never opened his mouth. 
He didn't retaliate against his enemies, and he, nor did he deviate from the plan of God for the salvation of the world. Jesus was tested, and he was found true as the only Son of God who was faithful to complete the will and purpose of God and for our sake. He's, he's the tested stone. Isaiah also adds here that he is a precious cornerstone. Now, in the world of gemstones, there are two classical categories— Precious and semi-precious stones. The precious stones are things like diamonds, emeralds, rubies, sapphires. And there are basically three reasons why a gem falls under the category of precious. And it's because, number one, they're rare. Number two, of their perfection, you know, the clarity and the perfection of them. Number three, how expensive and valuable they are. And this, this speaks about our Lord in, in, in all those three ways. He is the rarest of all. I mean, there's none like him. He was born of a virgin of divine origin, the only son of God. Uh, he's best in quality because though he was tempted in every way as we were and are, the Bible says, he, nevertheless, he was without sin. So he was perfect in quality. And he's the most valuable because when you have any item that is one of a kind... It has inestimable worth, and that's our Lord. There is nothing and no one comparable to him. He is of inestimable worth because he has no equal. So he's a tested stone. He's a precious cornerstone. And then Isaiah says he's a sure foundation. Now, Isaiah is using building terminology here. He's talking about a foundation. Obviously, this is 700 B.C., so Isaiah is unfamiliar with our modern building materials. You know, he doesn't know anything about two-by-fours or, you know, metal beams or I-beams or soffits or drywall. He doesn't understand any of that. But one thing he does know, and this has been a timeless truth about any building, any edifice, he knows about the cornerstone. He knows that, that every beginning point of any building needs a cornerstone, that that beginning point lays the foundation for the rest of the entire building. The entire building is squared off the cornerstone. All other stones in a building are set in reference to that first-placed cornerstone. It is foundational, and it determines the angle and the integrity of the rest of the structure. You don't lay that foundation stone properly, the rest of the integrity of the structure will crumble. So he understands this part, and that's why he's speaking about Jesus like a cornerstone, because that's who Christ is in all those ways. Everything about our lives must be squared off of the cornerstone. Now, let me just take a moment at this this junction and just kind of pause and explain. This is the reason, by the way, behind our name as a church, Cornerstone Chapel. Uh, When we first started the church 27 years ago, I didn't want to be a part of a denominational structure. There's nothing wrong with denominations. I grew up in one. I'm thankful for my heritage. Uh, but, but that just wasn't the direction that we wanted to go. But neither did we want to be this independent church without accountability. And so shortly after we were first formed as a church, uh, we affiliated with Calvary Chapel Association. Uh, Chuck Smith was the pastor. He went home to be with the Lord in 2013. And Chuck really was my pastor for 20 years until he, until he went to be with the Lord. And even before that, I mean, as a kid, I was listening to Chuck on the radio growing up, just, you know, cutting my teeth, my spiritual teeth on, on, uh, on Chuck's teaching. And so, you know, Chuck was my like spiritual dad for many, many years, even before I became a pastor. And so we affiliated with Calvary Chapel. It was a good fit with us. 
Uh, but here was the problem. First seven years of our church, when we first planted our church, we met over at Simpson Middle School here in town. And I was reluctant to name our church Calvary Chapel of Leesburg because I didn't know necessarily where we would end up planting as far as a building goes because we were just mobile at the time in a school. The Old Testament book of Isaiah is a powerful text filled with prophecy, history, and the grandeur of your Creator. God uses Isaiah to teach the Israelites about who He is and what He expects from those who call Him Lord. He also warns them against coming consequences of their actions, giving them the opportunity to repent and come back to Him. Isaiah also tells of a coming salvation the child who would one day die for the sins of every person on earth, the Son of God, Jesus. There's much more to learn from Isaiah, so we hope you'll join us again here on Cornerstone Connection. If you missed any part of today's teaching from Pastor Gary, you can listen again online at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have a mobile app as well, allowing you to take these messages with you on the go. Find a link to download at our website or search for the Cornerstone Chapel in your app store. Do you live in the Leesburg area? If so, we want to meet you. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible with Pastor Gary. Our services start at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each Sunday. And child care is available. You'll find all the information you need about the church on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know But still you know You're not